You're listening to Stories Behind the Songs with Chris Blair. For more information, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at SBTSongs or check us out at ChrisBlair.com. Hey guys, Chris Blair here, and this is another episode of Stories Behind the Songs. This week's guest, I'm so excited, is Adam Sanders. Adam's been playing the listening room for many years now. He's written tons of songs for great artists and makes music of his own. Uh, he's got an EP called Like It's Your Last that he put out in November, and he's got a new full album coming out February 2nd. Um, like many of our guests, Adam is a songwriter right here in Nashville, Tennessee. He's got cuts with Cole Swindell, Dirks Bentley, Scotty McCreary, Dustin Lynch, Blake Shelton, and many more. Uh, He was one of the writers on Cole Swindell's Ain't Worth the Whiskey, which became his first number one. Um, We're going to talk about how he got his start in Nashville writing with Cole, also Josh Martin, uh, before either one of them had ever made it big in the music industry. He's going to take us into the writer's rooms when he wrote Ain't Worth the Whiskey. Uh, You'll also hear about the process of that song, going to radio, and also the story with Hell of a Night, which is a great cut that he's got with Dustin Lynch. Apart from his successes as a songwriter, Adam talks about how writing is so meaningful to him and how chasing that story and the goals that he has uh, in the industry are like so important for him, um, both with writing songs for artists and making his own music. Uh, Just some really great stuff there. Keep an eye out for Adam's new album that, like I said, is coming out next month, uh, February 2nd. Give him a follow to stay up to date. And if you enjoy this episode of Stories Behind the Songs, please, please, please give us a follow. Check that notification button so you can stay up to date with brand new episodes. We are so excited to kick off 2024 uh, and just bring great artists to the seat uh, and share their stories. So also, as always, a big shout out to our sponsors, Sennheiser, Imperfect Esthetician and All Clear In-Ears. And by the way, if you're looking for a great set of in-ear monitors, make sure to take advantage of our code SBTSongs and get 10% off at checkout. All right, let's get to this week's episode. Here is Adam Sanders. All right, here we are with Adam Sanders in the house. How you doing, brother? What's happening, man? Is Good. this the first one of 2024? This is the second one. Ooh, yeah. hey, you guys yeah. are on the ball. But it's, uh, yeah, it's still, uh, it's good to be uh, celebrating the new year and, for you know, sure. just all through it, kicking it off 24 yeah. strong. So, Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Um, let's just go back, uh, you know, kind of like I do on all these episodes and just, uh, I like to share the story of how you got to Nashville and how you got into music in the first place. So, yeah, man. So I grew up, um, in North central Florida, a little town called Lake city. Um, and music was like a one day one for me. Like yeah. it was the only thing I ever thought about. Um, I, I vividly remember being three, four years old and, singing to alan jackson songs um as a kid and just anywhere i would go to like to a restaurant or to a family member's house or whatever i was just always singing and um i remember looking at him as like my childhood idol and so i think alan jackson's what really got me into music um i performed all the way up through like middle school and just talent shows and fairs and festivals and same thing through high school and uh, the fate of kind of how I ended up actually in Nashville when I did and how I got my start was, so I have an uncle that is in the music industry 
okay. here in Nashville. He's a session musician, so he plays on all of the big albums. You know, yeah. he's played on everything from Sam Hunt to George Jones. He's a steel guitar player. So he moves to Nashville when he's um, like 14 or 15 years old. Um, his name's Scotty Sanders. And so he's in Nashville doing his thing, playing for all these big, you know, artists and on the albums. And when I was about 12 years old, he called my dad one day and he asked to speak to me. And he said, hey, he said, have you ever thought about writing songs? And at 12 years old, I'm like, no. <laughs> and he said, well, he started explaining to me. He said, look, you know, all these songs you're, you like on the radio, somebody had to write it, whether it was the artist or the songwriters. He yeah. explained to me. And he, he said, you should look into writing songs. That could be your way in the music industry one day because I know you want to move to Nashville. So I hung up the phone. The next day, my dad helps me write the first song I ever wrote, wow. which was terrible. Um Started to write in high school and realized that I enjoyed the process of it. And yeah. um, I would go to these field parties when I was, you know, in high school and we'd all be sitting around, you know, a fire. And at the end of the night, I'd bring my guitar out and be like, hey, I wrote this song this week. And all my, you know, classmates and friends would be like, oh my God, that's so awesome. You know, so good. And so I got a lot of confidence from that. And, and so I moved to Nashville in 2009. I uh, graduated high school in 2007. Moved to Nashville. My dad um, was already living in Nashville, so a lot of my f my dad's side of the family had migrated to Nashville area through my uncle being here. Yeah. So my grandparents were up here. My, my parents got a divorce when I was about six, and so my dad had moved here when I was about 10. And so I had some family based here. So I moved in with my dad, uh, worked in construction uh, with him as soon as I got here. Um and I kind of played this game for a couple of years where I would go work with my dad for like a week and um, then I would uh, I would go shadow my uncle in the in the in the studios. So I would say, hey, what's your schedule this week? And he'd be like, hey, I'm at Ocean Way on Monday and County Q on Tuesday and blah, blah, blah. And I would just go sit in on the session and just was the guy that was just the young kid in the room just watching all the stuff unfold started making some connections through that and then I would go out at night and I would go to places like the listening room or I'd go to you know Tin Roof or you know whiskey jam events yeah. whatever and just started meeting people and just kind of got into that whole thing of course this was back in the MySpace days <laughs> so yeah, you know man. I had a MySpace yeah. uh, you know and and some songs that were you know on there of mine and started kind of networking through that and uh, after about 2 years of being in town signed a publishing deal uh, with Big Yellow Dog Music. And from there, man, it was just kind of crazy. Uh, six months into my first deal, I got my first cut with Luke Bryan, which was crazy. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about, I mean, that's all of it happened pretty quick because two years for a pub deal is is pretty impressive. Yeah, man. Um, uh, I literally moved when I was 21. And by the time I'm, you know, 23, I've got a publishing deal. Yeah. You know, and, and my draw was, you know, really small, you know, back then. But, man, I was... I'll tell you a crazy story. When I signed my publishing deal, though, um, I never really grew up with with much in life. Like I lived in a double wide trailer my whole life, and when I moved with my dad, uh, in with my dad here, he lived in a single wide trailer in this trailer park, and now he's got you know some land and and some stuff. But at this particular time in my life, we were you know scraping up pennies, you yeah. know. And um, when I signed my publishing deal, it was in December. And I remember driving to go sign my contract. 
And I remember being so broke that I looked at my gas gauge and it was like on E. No way. And I had no money in my bank account. Well, I, this is how young and naive I was. Again, I'm 23 at the time. I'm like, okay, well, when I sign, they're going to give me my first week's or yeah. my first month's check. Well, I signed the contract and uh, they shake my hand like, all right, we'll see you, you know, on Monday. And I'm like, go back out to my truck and I crank it up and it's like below E and I'm like, I'm in a pickle. I'm like, oh shit. Like, how am I going to get home? Yeah. I literally had to go back inside and explain to them like, hey, I thought you guys were going to cut me a check today and I have no money, no gas money. And and literally the owner of the company pulls his wallet out, gave me a hundred bucks and was like, we'll see you on Monday. Man, I got so, chills right now. Yeah. What a story, dude. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then you went on, you've got, you've got great songs you've written for, like you said, Luke, Cole Swindell, Blake Shelton, like talk, let's, let's shift into that and yeah. dive into stories behind the song. So, um, you know, you, you're, you're two years in, you, you get a loan for uh, gas money yeah. uh, yeah. and, uh, and then you, you start writing and, uh, and then you start cranking out some hits. So talk yeah, about I mean, man, like the first one, the first song that I got recorded by Luke was such a special moment for me because um, I wrote this with Cole Swindell, who became one of my really good friends early in my career. He's, yeah. he's a guy that I met through another buddy of ours um, that introduced us. We started writing together. Uh, we later had a number one together, you know, with him. But this particular uh, time in, in my career, it was the first write that I had at the Big Yellow Dog office. And I was excited, you know, to have my own publishing deal and room and so yeah. i'm like hey you guys come to my office you know today instead yeah. of like coming to my house or you know whatever and so it was me cole and uh, our buddy aaron goodman we get we set in to write a song um and i think we were actually thinking of something for like a keith urban is what the vibe was and what my interpretation was of it but cole happened to be still selling t-shirts for luke uh out on the road so we write this song we demo it um Cole plays it for Luke on the bus one night. Luke's like, yeah, I want to record it. So he calls us all excited, like, hey, I played it for, you know, Luke. He wants to record it. Um, and the beauty of the of the music industry is like, okay, at that point, we're on cloud nine because I'm like, man, my first cut could be from Luke Bryan. Which is, yeah, yeah, you know, which, I mean, these are back in the days when, when albums sold, you know, a yeah. lot. And Luke is the hottest guy in our format, you know, so it's like coming out of the gate, just swinging. And so – uh then a month or two goes by and it's like, man, I don't think it's going to make the record. And then it's down to the dumps again. And <laughs> yeah. then it's like, okay, well, I think it's going to make the record, but it's going to be in the Target Deluxe, you know? And then you're like, well, that's something, you know, at least yeah. that's, and then it's. Welcome to the music Then industry. it's like, well, it could be a single. And then it's, yeah. you know, your emotions are all over the place. Yeah. But um, the cool thing about this is fast forward three or four months and I'm riding with Cole. And Michael Carter, one day at Sony ATV Tree, we're writing a song. We're halfway through it. Cole's phone starts ringing. It's Luke. And Luke says, hey, you guys come down to Oceanway. We're cutting, you know, for the album. Well, at this point, I had no idea if the song was going to be recorded or not. So we all were like, well, screw this song. Let's, let's go and see what they're doing. As soon as we walk in, they're starting to record my song and Cole's and he, Luke walks up and he gives me a big hug and he says, Hey man, congratulations on your first cut. And that was a huge man. moment for me to know that like, okay, well if, if I can get Luke Bryan to record a song, anything is possible in my career and to be, and, and 
to even speak of the guy that he was, knowing what that was going to mean for me and my career. And at that point, like I'd seen Luke out a couple times and shook his hand, but we didn't, you know, have a, a real friendship. But whether he meant to do it or or he didn't, how impactful that was for, like I said, like he invited us there, whether it was just the timing or he knew what he was doing, but. They are just hitting the intro. I walk in, you know, 23, 24-year-old kid. He gives me a hug, and he was like, congratulations. I mean, that was very special for me. Yeah. How did that song come about? Well, um, like I said, we were kind of thinking it's, it's, it's called Out Like That. Yep. It's, um, it's on the Crash My Party album for Luke Bryan, and I think it ended up being track nine. Like I said, I think we, man, we were just kind of like thinking that it was like something for Keith Urban. It had kind of this, uh, like this, this thing. I remember it felt real, um, rocking. I was kind of like, uh, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. So just a grungy kind of thing. And I was kind of like trying to take it back to like, you know, some of that early, like Keith Urban, you look good in my shirt kind of yeah. thing, you know, like, yeah. and, um, and man, I just remember like, it was, it was the first song that I wrote in the office, you know, and, and, uh, we had this line in there that was like, uh, I want to feel your heart go TikTok while the rain from your hair drip drops. And that was before the TikTok drip drop thing had like been worn out in yeah. country music. We were like one of the first people to kind of do that thing. Um, and I feel like that was kind of a, I feel like every song has a special thing about it, and uh, I think that song was that was it for that particular song. Um, yeah, and it ended up you know being cut by Luke and and was part of the uh, I think that album was album of the year or album of the decade for ACMs, which was wild you know to be on it. Yeah, and, you know I think it was almost five times platinum at this point. So one that was a uh, very special They, you know, they say you'll never forget your first. So yeah. that was first. Yeah. yeah. That's great, man. So then what was kind of the snowball effect after that? Did it come quickly or did yeah, it? Like it was wild, man. It was, you know, to be honest with you, there was, I remember those days thinking, you know, I don't think I ever looked at like, okay, this is easy, but, I had worked really hard and I'd, I'd started, you know, writing in high school and yeah. started singing when I was three or four. And so like, I had a lot of pride in the fact of like, okay, all of my hard work is paying off, um, you know, here and, and things really, it was there for a couple of years. It was almost like I couldn't miss man. Like, um, I think the next thing I got cut was another, uh, song that Cole and I had written, um, uh, called, uh, Carolina eyes that, uh, Scotty McCreary recorded. That one was on the Target Deluxe, yeah. you know, edition. Um, and uh, we had actually wrote it Alabama Eyes, and he changed it to Carolina Eyes because he's from Carolina. So we had that one. Then it went to, like, uh, Tyler Farr. I had a song called Race to Pray from, you know, Tyler Farr. Dirks Bentley recorded a song called Sounds of Summer. Um, that was another big moment for me. I mean, I grew up singing Dirk Bentley's karaoke tracks, yeah. you know, a lot of leaving left to do, you know, at, at talent shows. And here we are getting, a, you know, cut by him. And then, uh, you know, Cole gets a record deal. And uh, there was two songs that I had written before I had a publishing deal that I truly feel like got me a publishing deal. One was uh, a song called A Dozen Roses in a Six Pack. That was on Cole's first album. Um, funny story about that. I remember having that title when I was like 12 or 13. Really? Yes. But I had, I had, 
always thought of it as two dozen roses and a six pack. And now looking back, I'm like, okay, duh, because that was a Shenandoah song, two dozen roses. Mm, mm-hmm. And I put two dozen roses in a six pack. And I actually brought the title up in the room one day as a joke because we had went through all of our stuff and nothing was really hitting. And I remember telling Aaron and uh, Aaron Goodwin's on the you know song also same as the one with um, the out like that. Yeah, us three had written some you know really good stuff you know back in those early days and and I remember joking I was like I got this you know song called a dozen roses you know, two dozen roses in a six pack and you know I was kind of hoping they were going to kind of laugh and they were they looked and were like whoa that's actually pretty good you know I was like really I was like because I've had that since I was like twelve and we ended up writing it a dozen roses in a six pack Cole records that for his debut album and then the song that really changed everything for me was a song called uh, you ain't worth the whiskey yeah that I wrote with Cole and our buddy Josh Martin who actually was who introduced me to Cole. Back in the day, um, back to the MySpace stuff, I remember having a MySpace page. I found this guy, Josh Martin, on uh, on MySpace and uh, reached out to him and did what every young songwriter does is, hey, man, we should write. Yep. You know? And uh, luckily, he hit me back. and was like, yeah, man. He was like, I like your stuff. And, you know, we should get together. And we write a song. And uh, when we're done, he says, man, he's like, I got this buddy of mine that uh, – I feel like you guys need to meet. He was like, you know, he's out selling t-shirts for Luke now. And he said, but I just feel like you guys would get along together when he gets back in town. Let's watch some Braves baseball or, you know, maybe try to write a song or something and ended up being Cole. And I remember literally from the first time we hung out, I was like, man, something special about him and, and like our friendship could be really cool. And, uh, started writing songs. And the day that we wrote ain't worth the whiskey, I was still working in construction with my dad. Cole is selling t-shirts, but he had just signed a publishing deal at Sony ATV. And Josh Martin was a security guard officer at Belmont. (laughs) And so literally three guys that had really nothing going on, you know, like just green, young, and hungry. And we were riding in the evenings because I would work through the day. Josh was working midnights. And so we were kind of finding that, time between four, five, six, seven o'clock to write before Josh would go into work. So we go to Sony ATV one day and um, we do typically like how we always start. We pull our phones out and start going through titles and we'd went through five or six things and nothing was really sticking. And Josh said, Hey, I got this title called you ain't worth the whiskey. And Cole and I stopped for a second and we were like, yeah, it's, it's cool. And we kept looking for other titles and luckily, after five or six more titles, Cole stops and was like, guys, why are we not writing? You ain't worth the whiskey. Like, that's the best thing that we've got, and it's awesome. And uh, Cole, I think, was going through a breakup at the time. Mm. And uh, I think he it was on his mind to yeah. try to write something, you know, to his girlfriend, you know, his ex-girlfriend that, you know, we, I remember distinctly, you know, like we would record work tapes on our phones and we would send them out to everyone that we knew so in my mind i'm thinking he wants to write something he can send to her you know and so like and uh as we're in this room like um the 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 crazy thing was is like i was i was kind of playing guitar and the and the the song has this cool chord in it this but that didn't come around until we go to demo it because in the room i wasn't a good enough guitar player to even find that chord i didn't even know what that was 
uh, the lead guitar player in the session is the one, I think his name was uh, Troy Lancaster, suggested that chord. I was playing it like this, and I was going like this little, yeah. more of like a dirty thing, and then going here. And so I just start playing that little rift, and and we were, uh, you know, like, all right, well, what can we, you know, talk about? And, and I just remember, like, blurting out, you know, I don't care that you've done me wrong. Cause I've already moved on. I don't care what his name is. And girl, it is what it is. And we just like, when that started, it was just immediately like mm. the next stanza started. And somebody was like, I don't waste to die. And so we get to the course of the song and, and we're like, all right, you know, let's, let's see what we got. And I remember getting to the bridge and I remember thinking, all right, this is really good. Like we were all high five and fired up, but we get to the bridge and we're like, all right, what else can we, what else can we say? You know, and, and we contemplated for a little bit, well, maybe it doesn't need a bridge. And then we're like, yeah, but something's kind of missing. And I don't really remember whose idea it was, but we were like, okay, let's, let's raise our glasses to like the military. And we were like, okay, yeah, that could be big. I have a brother that was uh, 20 years in the Air Force, and Cole has a best friend that was an Army Ranger, and we kind of were thinking of those guys. But I truly believe that the song ended up being as big live as it still is today 100%. because of the bridge. Like yeah. That was like the moment. And uh, we get there, yeah, man, and like when we said saving our asses overseas, it was kind of that last hoorah, yeah. you know, and so um, – we always joked about that song because, again, you know, when we wrote it, none of us had anything going on. And we all three were inspiring artists and songwriters. And we all three said, hey, like, whoever gets a record deal first is going to record the song. And the song started getting put on hold. I think Luke had it on hold at one point. I know Montgomery Gentry had it on hold. Easton Corbin had it on hold. Um, Cole gets a record deal. and was true to his word. He was like, I'm, I'm recording this and putting it out. It ended up being his third number one and my very first yeah. number one. Yeah. yeah. How was that? I know um, a dumb question, but yeah, just to talk about the emotion of like, you know, the, it's the, it's the first number one. It's huge. Surreal. Man. And, and to be honest with you, like, <clears throat> so again, like my story of, of how fast things started happening was kind of lightning in a bottle. So, my first two radio singles went to radio the same exact day. So Ain't Worth the Whiskey. And then I had another song that I wrote for Dustin Lynch called Hell of a Night. And they both were shipped to radio as singles okay, hold on. the I same did not, day. I didn't know this. I didn't yeah. know those were the same day. Same exact day. Wow. Okay. Keep going. So Ain't Worth the Whiskey flies up the charts. And it's takes 24 weeks i think to go number go number one so that was my first number one uh hell of a night it took 56 weeks um it was a slow burner it gets to number one but the but the way that the timing of it happened is i ended up having my second number one party before i had my first number one party (laughs) (laughs) so i have my second number one party first 
So then when we have the Ain't Worth the Whiskey number one party, because Cole was so busy and so hot that he was like bunching them together. So yeah. he wanted to have like his second, third, and fourth, and fifth number one party all together so he could just, you know, knock them all out. So it was like, I feel like a what year. What a problem to have, right? Yeah, like yeah. I, it was probably a year, a year and a half after the song was number one before we ever even got to celebrate it. And I distinctly remember this was such a lesson for me. And this is for anyone out there that's that's in these situations. And I tell my buddies all the time this, but my my publisher comes up to me uh, at the number one party for Ain't Worth the Whiskey. And she says, Adam, she was like, you don't really seem very excited to be here. And I'm like, well, I am. But it had kind of worn off, like the feeling of like I got a number mm. one. And I had at that particular time. Michael Ray had recorded a song called Real Men Love Jesus, and it was flying up the chart. And I had the the opportunity to have a triple play award, which is three number ones in yeah. one year. And so my mind was on to that of like, man, we got to get this thing to number one, even though I had no control over it. But I was focused on that, not really relishing in what had already happened, soaking up the moment. And I said, I was like, yeah, I am. I said, but I'm on to the next one. And she stopped me and she said, hey, she said, you should really, really try to take these moments in, she said, because you don't really know when you're going to get these again. And because things started happening so fast for me, I did not take that and really let it sink in. I was just like, sure, like this one's going to go number one also. Um, it ended up dying at 15 and I didn't get the triple play award. And then you look back on all these years, and you're like, man, I really should have soaked that in a little bit more, you know, because yeah. you started to count your chickens before they hatch. But, but yeah, man, it was just, uh, I think it was one of those things where, like, it was young. It was a whirlwind, you know, 24, 25. I've got two number ones. Um, couldn't tell me anything, you know, of, you know, that I didn't already know, you know, sort of thing. But, uh, but at the same time, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun to do it with guys that like I was doing life with. Yeah, like that's what meant sure. the most, you know, yeah. like I'm, I'm standing on stage with Cole. It's his third number one. We've, we've dreamed about, Hey, you're going to get a record deal one day and, and this song is going to impact your career or I'm going to get a record deal and I'm going to put it out or, you know, and like that was the, the special thing about it was doing it with the people we were doing it together with. This episode is brought to you by Brit Skin Beauty. Located in the beautiful Indulgence Medi Spa in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, Brittany is the go-to esthetician for facials, dermaplaning, microdermabrasion, waxing, lashes, and any skincare products and consultations. So many people in the music industry use her frequently, and her work speaks for itself. To schedule your next consultation or make an appointment, visit BritSkinBeauty.com or send an email to BritSkinBeauty at gmail.com. Man, that's such great advice. We we've got we've got a lot of uh, the same friends that are that are artists, and um, I see it a lot uh, with the artists, you know, who get their deal and they're just like they're on radio tour, they're like just nonstop, you know, like fairs and festivals, and just go 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 go, and then it's a year later, and they're like, "What just happened?" Yeah, you know. So just yeah, to just stop and take those moments in is is uh, yeah. Uh, I try to do the best I can with. Uh with guys that are having their first number one, yeah. like, cause I know, like, again, you only get one first. Um, I, I try to reach out to those guys as much as I can and be like, Hey, you know, like soak this moment up. And I don't really go into my story, yeah. but I, but I go into the fact of like, Hey, 
you only get one. Yep. Make, sh- make sure, you know, that you're, you're soaking it all in, you know, sort of thing. And so, um, but yeah, it was, uh, it, it was crazy and, you know, hell of a night it was obviously a big song. Um, crazy quick story about that. I was, I was playing a whiskey jam event, met Dustin. He come up to me after the, after the show and was like, man, I really like what you do. Find myself on the bus with him writing songs two months later, literally I jump on a bus. We go to Syracuse, New York one night. And I remember Shay Mooney uh, from Dan and Shay yeah. uh, happened to be in town. I think they were doing a radio show or something. He hops on the bus and we're all hanging out and he gets off the bus and uh, Dustin, I was out with Zach Crowell, which is Dustin's producer now. Uh, Zach and I were writing, you know, a lot then. And uh, I had written a song with Zach like two months prior that something just told me to play for Dustin. And I was kind of playing it as a reference. Like I wasn't necessarily pitching him the song, but I wanted to like play in, in, in hopes because his thought was, is, hey, I've got all of my slow stuff figured out for the album, all the mid-tempo. I need a show opener for this project. I need that track one, yep. you know, album starter. And I need like when we start our show, I need that one. And I remember thinking about the song. It was actually on hold for Jason Aldean at the time, but I'm like, well, maybe I can inspire him a little bit by playing him this and be like, can we get in this world a little bit? Um, and uh, I play him the song. And as soon as it's done, he was like, well, why can't I have that song? And I'm like, well, it's it's on hold for another artist, you know? And so like he literally pulls his phone out, like calls a label and was like, I got to have the song. And uh, it ended up being hell of a night. And uh yeah, he ended up with it, and it was crazy, man. So, it was a uh, it was all because I just decided to play him as a reference, and I I really honestly wasn't thinking like, oh, I need to play this so he could record it. It was more of a reference point, but he he loved it so much that he wanted to record it yeah. himself. Did you still write one? We did. We wrote several songs. Uh, nothing really made that made the project. Um, I remember a song we had called "Texas Got Prettier" that I always have loved. The song that I wrote with Dustin. Uh, years ago and Zach while we were out on that, that project or on that rider retreat and one that kind of floated around a little bit, but yeah. I guess those rides were uh, a lot easier, you know, with, with uh, the first one you play him, he's like, I want that one. Now let's just have some fun. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, kind of, but it was one of those things like uh, he was like, I, I don't think we knew the logistics of if it was going to work out for him to have it. Yeah. Um, cause like I said, it was technically on hold for another artist, you know, it was, it was Aldine and they happened to be label mates. And so, um, but that was a, that was a big confidence of like, okay, well at least he likes the song here. You know, I think, yeah. you know, we were, we're in a good spot, you know, per se, but yeah, man, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun back in those early days. And, um, and then, you know, I, from there, several other, you know, songs got recorded. I've I've had some sentimental ones which was really cool. Tracy Lawrence recorded a song that I got to write with Tracy Lawrence mm, on one cool. of his latest projects. Uh it was my child, you know, one of my heroes, you know, there yeah. without his music I wouldn't be in in Nashville. A song called Made in America. I went to his house and wrote it and so that was sentimental and I also had a song uh that Shannon Doer recorded that they did a a, a duo or duet with Blake Shelton. Uh, it was called Then a Girl Walks In. They did an album where they did a collaboration of, uh, you know, yeah. cl- current artists in them. And that was one that was, you know, again, a sentimental thing. And I remember telling my dad one day when I found out that they were going to record the song and Blake was going to be on it, that I was like, man, it's crazy to me how 
I needed Shenandoah's music to be inspired to, to move to Nashville, and now they need my music to continue their career. Mm. And it was a f- like full, full circle thing for me. And so, so it's a uh, man. I've been very blessed and very fortunate for yeah. sure. Well, you got the talent, man. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I I've asked this on a lot of uh, a lot of other episodes to my guests, um, and I know it's like asking you to choose your favorite child. Um, but do you have a favorite song that you've written? Man, um, yes and no. I mean, um, I feel that like, you know, each one of them have such a special thing, you know, because like, okay, you look at it from like, all right, which was the most successful, which was sentimental, you know, um, but, um, I'll play one that I feel like, uh, the song should have just like, I feel like it just did not get its time in the sun and like because it died at 15 yep and michaels yeah and yeah. it was it was one that i wrote with the warren brothers and lance mm. miller and <laughs> i remember uh one of the one of the guys came in and they were like hey i saw this bumper sticker called and it just said real men love jesus and like let's write that and i'm like i have no idea how to write that you know like sort of thing and and um we just started thinking, you know, about certain things. And and I remember we wrote that the first line of this song was actually, real men love women. And the label, I think, changed it to real men love fishing. And we weren't necessarily, like, trying to be controversial, like, you know, with that statement. It was more of men love women, not, like young and mature girls you know women are more mature and you know, yeah. you know if you're a real man well then you love a, you know a real woman you know like sort of thing not the opposite sex or you know whatever yeah. per se and i think they thought that was might be a little controversial so they they uh, they changed the line of the song but um this song was rocking up the charts got to 15 and i'm thinking it's going there and they literally pulled it off radio on easter weekend and it has Jesus in the title for, for you know, and and the label just said, hey, like all the all the stations that are playing it are playing it. The ones that are not going to play it because of it having Jesus in the title aren't going to play it. And so it just it fizzled out. But this is a uh, this was one that was like just my one of my favorites just because of you know what some of the lines in it is. Yeah. Real men love fishing, fast cars and living. Out on the edge so far they're gonna need forgiving And real men like football The cowboys and outlaws They can't help but fly so high it's gonna hurt to fall They like Saturday nights out on the town A Sunday morning coming down a pretty girl out on the dance floor spinning Around and round and round they go A cold beer and a dirty hand a Calling home every chance they can To say I love you, they don't need a reason Real men love Jesus Real men love Jesus Man, that's such a great song. Thank you, man. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. 
Um, I know we only have a little bit of time left. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I want to switch gears because you've got an EP coming out. And I want to make got sure we album. touch. Yeah. Full oh, album. Full album. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I want to make sure we touch on that. So uh, February, is that right? February yeah. 2nd. Okay. Yeah, man. Uh, it's crazy. Um, this is my sophomore full length project. Um, you know, through my, all of my songwriting success, being an artist is what I moved to Nashville ultimately to do. And I yeah. knew that songwriting was just sort of my way to get my foot in the door. And so, man, we've just been very fortunate and blessed to have built this organic, independent thing uh, since I started releasing music as an artist in 2015. Had some songs on Sirius XM The Highway, and uh, we've we've just been able to groundswell this thing slowly but surely. You know, we've reached over 200 million streams independently with no label. Yeah. And so this is my second project um, that is a full-length project I'm really excited about. Uh, it's available for pre-save, pre-order, you know, all that now. It's called Right in the Middle of It is the, is the title of the album. And uh, one I'm super proud of and excited for, for the world to hear. And, uh, yeah, man, we're just going to keep rocking and putting out songs and trying to write songs for other people. And, and you know, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, for me, music is what I do. And so um, regardless of if I never get another cut, if I never get a number one as an artist, if I never get a record deal, whatever, or if I, you know, sell out Bridgestone 27 times in a row, music's what I do and it's what I'll always do to the day, you know, yeah. I die, you know, it's just in me, you know, yeah. so, so it's going to be done in some capacity. So, um, we're excited. The, uh, the album comes out February 2nd of, uh, of this year. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll make sure that we put links to, uh, how everybody can follow you and keep up to date with tour and yeah, album absolutely. release and all of that kind of stuff in our, in our notes here. But, um, yeah, man, uh, just, you know, it's, it's been awesome just to hear part of your story and, uh, I can't wait to, um, you know, just keep following and see what happens. Thank you, man. And, and, you know, I, I can't wait to get back to the listening room and, and play this, yeah. this place has been one of my favorites from day one. I've had a lot of great memories and moments here. And so, um, uh, excited to, come back and be on the stage yeah before the show i heard you talking to zach so we'll make sure yeah, that we get you some dates right. so that's right um yeah man i just you know i also just want to point out like just I, I love how humble you are and um and your approach with writing if you want to touch on this a little bit i'd love to hear you know kind of where that comes from but you know i've heard you say before like your process of writing and how you know you're you you really focus on trying to be very unique and um, whether it's, you know, maybe writing for your project or for someone else. Um, but, you know, it's not just like beers and trucks, you know, it's, um, you yeah. know, it's it, wh what started that, like your your thought process of why you try to be so different and unique in those. Well, those you know, I've, I've certainly had a lot of those beer and truck songs um, that I've, you know, released as an artist or, you know, have had recorded. But. I'm a product of like nineties country and my interpretation of nineties country is nineties country was one of the best eras of music to tell a story and their hooks. hundred percent. They, they had a really cool way of taking a title and by the end of the song, the title would mean something different by the time they got to the end of it. Yep. And I was always such a fan of that. Um, and so I think that's, the roots of it, you know, for me is, is these days of, uh, you know, finding as crazy as it sounds. I think, I think, uh, the industry right now more than it's been in a very long time 
is ready for songs that have big stories and has some roots to it. Mm-hmm. And so my mind now is in a way, sure, like we're going to write, you know, the, the beer in the truck songs and, and, and falling in love and falling out of love. But my mind goes to like, okay, how can I write a scenario that is real life? But if I was to tell you, hey, I want to write a song about blah, you would be like, how are we ever going to do that? Mm. And my mind is, well, it's the challenge of it. You know, I, I take a song, uh, Zach and I were talking, um, you know, Cole has a song called Three Feet Tall that he just released. Uh, that uh, a buddy of mine, Jordan Walker, is a part of writing that song. And he was saying how when they wrote the song, Trey Lewis came in and said, hey, I want to write a song about my parents' divorce. And it's like, how many of those songs exist in the world? You mm-hmm. know? Um, and so when they when you do it and do it right, that's why it's it's so impactful. Or, you know, Cody Johnson has a song called Dirt Cheap, you know, yeah. that I've referenced of yeah. like, man, what a massive song. But the concept behind it is this old, you know, sharecrop farmer that these guys want to buy his land to build a subdivision and and they're they're gonna pay him really good money, you know, and everyone else is sold, but he's like, Hey, I can't do it. You can't buy dirt cheap. You know, that kind of dirt cheap because I've got all these memories that I still see here, you know, and like that's just the concept of it is yeah. is taking dirt cheap and flipping it, you know, is really cool to me. So those are things that I really try to focus on and try to find um, things that matter. And like the pillars of my brand have always been family, faith, fitness, the outdoors and music. And so if any of those things can tie in, you know, if I can throw a little bit of, you know, a, a good positive message into something, you know, or um, have you know, some nineties country referencing, you know, to it and, and the, and the style of it, man, that's, that's, that's my bread and butter. I love it. We'll keep doing it, man. Thank you. Yep. Um, all right. Last question. Yep. Uh, I know you've listened to, uh, to some of these episodes, so you know, it's coming, but if you can go back to eight year old Adam in Florida, knowing what you've known now, you've gotten your pub deal, you've gotten your hits, all that. What kind of advice do you give eight year old self? Uh, to keep going and, and, and not ever give up. Um, I was never the guy that was the best singer, the best guitar player. Uh, I didn't really, you know, take lessons for anything. Uh, there were several years through my whole life. Like I would play a local talent show and one year I would place first and the next year I wouldn't even place. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just like, there was never any like consistency, um, but I've always just had, I think, such a passion for it. And, and I've always had my teachers and, you know, family members of like, man, just keep going, never give up. Cause I would always just get a little bit better, you know, like, and, and still to this day, like I'm inching forward. I feel like my best songs are ahead of me. Um, my best live shows and, you know, all that stuff, th- those years are ahead of me. I feel like I'm just now kind of turning the corner of like, all right, like I kind of deserve to, you know good enough to be on the field. And so, yeah, it's been a long road in the fact of a lot of people start singing and and playing music when they're like in college, later in life. Yeah. Eight-year-old me was like so immersed in like, man, I'm I'm the kid that's in the bedroom like practicing my entertainer of the year speeches, you know, eight years old, (laughs) literally, you know, like thinking out, you know, like, hey, you know, this is what I'm going to say one day. And, uh, and, 
and I've had, you know, some success, but there's still a lot of things that, you know, I still want to accomplish. And so I kind of feel like where I'm at in my career right now, I'm halfway up the mountain. Um, but if I would have thrown in the towel, you know, years ago and just kind of chalked it up of like, man, sitting in the cards, you know, um, go find a real job and, you know, not try to go to, you know, uh, big yellow dog on, you know, an empty tank of gas and, you know, expecting to get paid, you know, yeah. and like, and having to literally humbly ask for a hundred bucks. I mean, there's been a lot of moments like that. That's in, been in my career where, where, uh, financially, like somebody's helped me out or, you know, done some things. And so, uh, I would say, man, just, just keep going and, and everything that you've envisioned is possible and is there. You just got to keep your head down and keep working. Love it. Great advice. And we're glad that you didn't give up. A lot of songs that we all love wouldn't have been created. Yeah, man. We, and, you, so. and, and we hope there's many more in the future. Too. Absolutely. Yeah. No, there's no, there's going to be. So, yeah. well, dude, happy new year. Same to you. Thanks man. for being Appreciate here. You yeah. It's been fun. Yes, sir. You guys have been listening to Adam Sanders and uh, yeah, check out the full album that will be released February 2nd. We'll put some liner notes uh, in this episode. So check that out and get links to, uh, to make sure you follow him and see his music. And I uh, hope you guys are having a great new year and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Stories Behind the Songs with Chris Blair. Make sure to give us a follow on Spotify if you enjoyed this episode and make sure you click that notification button so you can keep notified when new episodes come out. We release brand new episodes every Tuesday and you can find us on YouTube at Stories Behind the Songs with Chris Blair or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to send us a comment letting us know what you thought of the episodes. We love getting your feedback and share this with your friends. The more we grow, the more that we can keep doing this. It's our mission to bring you all of these great stories behind the songs from some of Nashville's most iconic artists and songwriters, publishers, producers, everyone in between, and a lot of my great friends. We love what we do and we love sharing their stories with you. We appreciate all of the continued support. Thanks also to all of our sponsors and we will see you all next week.